0: Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 Yes, we are back in Matthew today And Stand with me to read God's Word We're going to read more verses than usual today But before I read, let me say this I don't know where you've been this week I don't know what you've done I don't know what was done to you I don't know what challenges you faced I don't know what you've seen and heard and experienced, but I do know that we all have been immersed in a culture that is hostile to Christ, and some of you have been immersed in the Word of God in the midst of an atmosphere hostile to Christ. Some, and there's no condemnation here, but some have not thought much of God until just now, this morning. Others have been thinking and dwelling upon who God is and How the gospel affects the context in which they live all week long But whatever your condition and whatever your level of investment in the in the cause of christ I'm convinced of something this morning I'm convinced that god has a word for us In his word today He wants to speak to us we need a word from god don't we we need to hear from god And we need our souls defrosted in a manner of speaking, and sensitized to the things of God. And that's just what God is going to do as we we open up His Word and as we trust Him to open it up to us. It, It amazes me what God does amongst us when we gather to worship Him. It amazes me that God takes all of our different personalities and likes and dislikes and preferences and problems and everything and can... As we gather as a group, address anything that needs to be addressed in our lives from any passage of Scripture. It's God's Word. So here's what we're going to do we're going to read Matthew 13, first verses 24 through 30, and then verses 36 through 43. So beginning at verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. So he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels Lord God, we want to have ears to hear today. We pray, Lord, that you would cut through whatever junk may be in our life that might be clouding our hearing, might be blocking our hearing. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see wonderful things in your word. Clear out whatever is in our line of sight that might be clouding our vision. We pray, Lord, that you would have your way with us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, it's been a while since we've been in Matthew. So I think some review is in order. It will be helpful. We're looking today at the second of eight parables in Matthew chapter 13. Parables are one way that Jesus taught. They are stories from daily life designed to teach spiritual truth. And the context of these parables is rejection of Jesus by Israel. We've got to get that clear. There was an attitude of rejection present on the part of Israel to Jesus. Open hostility from the Pharisees. The rising opposition encouraged Jesus to use parables in greater and greater frequency. Some parables have notes of judgment on, on, on unbelievers. Others have notes of encouragement toward believers. But the context of these parables, as is true with all of Scripture, cannot be ignored. Or, as Stanley Saint says, we will set our boat adrift in the shifting tides of speculation. We'll guess. Now here's what happened. Jesus used parables to reveal truth to those who would accept him. And to conceal it from those who hardened their hearts and rejected him that's what he did he, he revealed truth and he concealed truth through parables now in the parable of the sower that we saw several weeks ago and that's what Jesus called it the parable of the sower God's word was proclaimed and it caused division amongst those who heard there was the empty dead heart that did not understand there was the temporary shallow heart that did not endure the unfruitful conflicted heart that did not bear fruit and the receptive reborn heart that heard, understood, and bore fruit. So you had four soils, four hearts, only one of four truly believing. And it taught us something. It taught us that God's kingdom will succeed amidst opposition. That in spite of hard hearts and competing allegiances and even seeming failure, there would be a huge crop produced of loyalists who belong to the king. That's what the parable of the sower taught us. But a logical question springs out of hearing that parable and understanding its meaning. And the question is this: Then are believers to weed out unbelievers? Should the king's people immediately separate the wheat from the weeds, the good crop from the bad? And the answer is found in the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Or as Jesus' disciples put it, the parable of the weeds. So in verses thir- uh, uh, chapter 13 verses 24 through 30 What we see is Jesus speaking to the crowds once again uh, Believers and unbelievers mixed And many were no doubt wondering If the kingdom of heaven had, has arrived Then what's going on? Why has it not triumphed overtly and, and visibly? If Jesus is the herald of the kingdom Why is the response to him not more favorable? Why is the response to him not more positive across the board. And so the parable of the weeds, as the disciples called it, and by the way, it only shows up in Matthew, nowhere else, it addresses the issue. And it really points to how we as believers are to live in the world in light of Christ's first coming and waiting for his second coming. And it gives us assurance from God that all is unfolding as God has planned, as God has decreed. So start at verse 24. Follow with me Jesus puts before them a parable And you notice it says that he put another parable before them Because he had already spoken one to them And he said this He said the kingdom of heaven Can be compared Is like a man who sowed good seed in his field Now the first thing we're going to think is Oh this is going to match up perfectly With the parable of the sower Not so Be careful here Take this one as a stand alone And we'll see as we go along But the kingdom of heaven may be compared It's like a man who sowed good seed in his field Verse 25 But while his men were sleeping His enemy came His enemy was sneaky His enemy had evil intent And what did he do? He sowed weeds Among the wheat Now what the parable of the sower Described in terms of these four categories Of soil with the same kind of seed in each The parable of the wheat and the weeds Speaks of in terms of Two different kinds of seed sown by a farmer and his enemy, and clearly Jesus says the enemy is Satan, the devil, and and you've seen now we've seen twice Satan being being pictured as operating in the world first as a swooping bird picking up seed that isn't taken in in chapter in chapter thirteen verse nineteen and now an enemy farmer trying to to um, undermine and disrupt the growth of seed. Of good wheat by planting weeds Now the weeds were also known as tares Or darnel They were a weedy ryegrass with poisonous seeds That in the early stages of growth Looked a lot like wheat But became obvious as they grew up That they weren't Verse 26 It says that when the plants came up And bore grain Then the weeds appeared also It was very evident at that point Who was who, which was which Verse 27 The servants then begin to wonder Hey how come there's weeds in the field When our master sowed good seed What's going on Verse 28 The master says the enemy did it And and so they ask I think a pretty logical question We'll go pull the weeds You like pulling weeds They're tough aren't they you sometimes pull the weed and it comes off at the top and the, and the root is still down there And in a week or so or two weeks More weeds will come up in your yard The disciples the, of, uh, In this picture the, the, the servants of the master ask Should we pull out the weeds I think anyone would ask that question You know If, if I was the master I'd say Please <laughs> go right ahead But here's the thing but First of all the word gather is key here you're going to see this word gather we've read it several times now but gather is a key word in this parable for judgment and the master says in verse 29 let them be let the weeds be and, and the reason why 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 let the weeds be because usually you think no pull the weeds up right why because in in case in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat as well it was to protect the wheat. The weeds were allowed to coexist To keep the wheat safe It's a bit counterintuitive for us It doesn't go with the way we normally think But that's the way it is And so in verse 30 he says Let them both grow together until harvest Then I will tell the reapers To gather the weeds Burn them And put the wheat in my barn Now what happens next is very interesting You'll notice that we skipped over verses 31 through 35. We're going to look at those in in coming weeks. What happens is this: Jesus tells two more parables to the crowds. Then he goes back inside the house, presumably Capernaum, where they were when he went uh, at the beginning of chapter 13 is where they were. And he goes back into the house. And as soon as he gets back in the house, the disciples bypass the two last parables that he told of the mustard seed and the leaven. And ask him about the parable of the weeds It's Very interesting Three parables But they want to know About the the bigger The the longer one The the first one So they say to him Explain to us Explain to us Literally make thoroughly clear right now You know when you want the answer to something and, And you want it now They're asking urgently Tell us Tell us now what it what it's all about And so he does In verse 37 He makes it very clear The one who sows the good seed Is the son of man He's talking about himself It's his favorite name for himself Used over 80 times in the gospel In all, in all instances Except for two When Jesus is being quoted It's always used by Jesus himself And it, refer, it refers to his Humanity and it refers to his, in particular, his humility. In coming to earth and emptying himself of his privileges, as Philippians 2 says. Humbling himself, setting aside his privileges as God. And becoming a man to die for the sins of the world. Verse 38, he makes it also clear that the field is the world. And that the good seed are the children of the kingdom, believers. And that the weeds are the sons of the evil one, Unbelievers. And it's very important to understand that both the good seed and the weeds are sown in the world, not the church. A lot of people will say, well, this is about the church and the fact that there's believers and unbelievers mixed in the church, which is true. But this is about the world. The field, Jesus says, is the world. And there is a separation that's going to come at the end of the age, at the harvest time. And they're all going to be growing together in the field, in the world. So this is not uh, the world in the church But this is the church in the world, not of it. Many assume this is referring to the church being worldly or being mixed with worldly influences. A real danger, by the way, that we must guard against. But this is about the church being out in the world as salt and light and influence for people's good and God's glory. That's what this is about. And in this parable, unlike the sower, the good seed are the sons of the kingdom. The good seed in the parable of the sower is the word of god it's the gospel here they are the sons of the kingdom and it's a good reminder to us that the same thing can be used to symbolize different things in different contexts sons of the kingdom is also a a a title that's used differently here than let's say in verses in chapter 8 verse 12 where it refers to jews who forfeited their covenant blessings due to unbelief here it refers to those who are objects of the messiah's gracious favor And participants in the kingdom of the Messiah by faith. The sons of the kingdom here are believers. So don't be so quick to take a title and and connect the dots. Even if it's in the same gospel, even if it's in the same uh, few chapters, even. Now, verse 39, Jesus makes clear that the enemy is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Verse 40 As the weeds are gathered and burned with fire So it's going to be at the end of the age This is going to happen I think it's appropriate with all the talk of heaven and hell and, uh, in, in our context today I think it's very appropriate To see that Jesus is very clear That something's going to happen And fire will be a part of it And, and verses 41 and 42 All the, the, the actors in the, in the play on the stage Have been identified now by Jesus And now he says Here's what's going to happen Verses 41 and 42 The son of man will send his angels And they will gather out of his kingdom And that by the way is his general rule That consists of all people living in the world He will gather out of the world all causes of sin And all lawbreakers That's what he is going to do Go with me to 2 Thessalonians Chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 and by the way starting in verse 5 it says the evidence of the righteous judgment of God here is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and grant relief to you who are afflicted as well when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire verse 8 inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed sobering it is sobering and it is true Out of his kingdom From the midst of the kingdom uh, In the world Because the good and the bad are mixed together And Jesus isn't saying That these stumbling blocks Where we get our word scandal from by the way He's not saying that they're believers Now believers can be stumbling blocks Romans 14 says Don't uh, resolve To not put a stumbling block in a brother's way Don't cause a brother to sin But here these stumbling blocks are unbelievers Among believers In the world and, and even in the church But not only in the church Their destiny is the furnace of fire Hell itself And kingdom Is the key idea here Kingdom This is about the kingdom of God in the world And God's kingdom as we've seen Previously has two primary aspects The general rule of God Under which all people fall under which all people dwell and the saving rule of God in Christ his mediatorial kingdom under which only believers who've been saved by grace through faith dwell so here the sons of the kingdom can only refer to true believers whom only God truly knows the identity of we can only make an educated guess who is who it says that he will gather the weeds for judgment and destruction burned and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you've ever been around someone who grinds their teeth, you know how off-putting that is. Here, forever, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mark, 4, Mark 9, 44 tells us the fire of hell is unquenchable. It is forever, Matthew 25, 41 tells us. Revelation 19 tells us there is a lake of fire That burns with brimstone Revelation 20 10 tells us it's a place of torment forever Now the primary emphasis in this parable is Quite obviously uh, what happens to Unbelievers but here we Also get a picture of what happens to believers In God's kingdom now and Later Look at verse 43 Verse 43 Then Then in that day the righteous will shine forth like the sun In the kingdom of their father It's the whole idea that was pointed out in verse 30 That he was going to gather the wheat into his barn Matthew twenty-four thirty-one says that he will send his angels With a loud trumpet call And they will gather his elect from the four winds From one end of heaven to another So the parable of the wheat and the weeds Has a point The main point that can be boiled down Into one statement is this God reveals his future plans So that we would focus on eternally significant Present priorities Jesus wasn't just telling this parable to say By the way, here's what's going to happen in the end You know, stick that away in the back of your minds They were going to be living in light of that From then till kingdom come So this was assurance from God He was showing his his future plans So that we would stay grounded That we would stay centered in present realities In light of those plans God's future assurances Keep us rooted in what he is doing now Keep us focused on the gospel And so regarding Living as a believer And especially in in the time we are living We have the privilege of living as believers In in the world Between Christ's first and second coming That's the place that God has put us And that's the place From which That's the vantage point From which we read This parable And it's the vantage point From which they heard this parable And jesus is saying that as you live in this world until I return Be assured that I am in control That I see it all and I have it all planned out So the idea of how to live in the world until christ returned is a great great question for us because we're doing it And we'd like to do it in ways that please god and so So how do you do that? In light of this parable I'd say the first thing is Be wise By God's spirit be discerning In all your interactions Be wise Verse 36 We saw that they urgently sought Christ's wisdom Explain to us Right. They were urgent about it Explain to us the parable of the weeds We need to know We know we need to know But we don't know It's good to seek Jesus' wisdom Disciples need explanations They do not have wisdom in and of themselves They are to seek God's wisdom in Christ So Christ's disciples Come to ask him And then he gives them the full explanation That's the way it works We go to God and say Lord give us wisdom And he he gives it to us James 1 says Jesus himself gave this invitation In chapter 11 Come to me All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. The idea there is, come to me to learn. Come to me for your wisdom. And interesting, what marks out the the disciples here from from the unbelievers is not that they intuitively knew what God's truth was, was pointing to, but they sought it and grew by it. It's like 1 Peter 2, 2 long, that we ought to do. We long for the pure milk of the word so that by it we may grow in respect to salvation. It doesn't happen instantly, there are ingredients. God's word is the key ingredient. This points something out to us about, in terms of being discerning and being wise. If the devil is mixing his people among true Christians in the world and then even in the church, We should be alert to it. We shouldn't ignore it. It's a fact. So we need to be cautious. Not suspicious, but cautious. Looks can deceive. You can't tell just by looking if something is real or not. The Bible shows that the true subjects of the kingdom are only those who belong to Jesus Christ by faith. But only God can infallibly tell who is who. We cannot. We can't tell with 100% assurance who is in and who is out of the kingdom of God in Christ. But we will be able to have some measure of confidence as we recognize marks, recognize the brand marks of Jesus in a person's life jesus said you will know them by their fruits you will know them by the outcome of their life the outflow of their life if christ in us is our hope of glory then christ ought to be producing fruit through us for his glory god's wisdom is given to those who seek it christ himself is the wisdom and power of god so don't be deceived and don't be unwise As you contend earnestly for the faith, don't be contentious. As you strive mightily for those in the body, take care not to spread strife. Verse 43, once again, says the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Be wise. Listen, hear it. This really kind of, it points to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness Like the stars forever and ever So be wise As you live in the world In light of Christ's second coming Second thing is Be working Be working Good seeds grow Verse 27 Did you not sow good seed in your field How did they knew that Because when the plants came up and bore grain Verse 26 when the plants came up and bore grain They knew the wheat from the weeds That's why they asked the question It was obvious to them But good seeds grow Good grain Good produce And do what God intends for them to do So by God's grace Be appropriately engaged In what he calls you to do Be clear about God's role in your role Uh, According to this parable God's role is sovereign, determining, sustaining grace He plants And he determines What grows And how long they stay in that state Until he brings about the end that he has decreed And it's all by grace Satan's work is in here as well It's unrelenting evil It's insidious It's deceptive but our work is in here too You notice what What the good seed is doing It's growing In the field In the world Not of it In it So our work is faith and loving obedience to God So God revealed his role So we can focus on ours Let him do his job You do yours Taking matters into your own hands Can do more harm than good That's why the master says Don't uproot the weeds I got them Verse 39 But sometimes due to zeal Sometimes due to to ignorance Sometimes due to rebellion We get focused on the wrong things We want to make right The wrongs that only God will make right And we want to be right And God wants us to be faithful we are to preach the gospel and leave the judging to God. We need to actively avoid what, I, what I'll call the Jonah syndrome. Think about Jonah, what happened to him. It's so easy, by the way, to get angry at the state of affairs in the world or our own condition or what we don't think is fair. Jonah was called to preach, but deemed the recipients of God's compassion unworthy. The word of the Lord came to Jonah And he fled from the presence of the Lord And the word of the Lord And the presence of the Lord Are connected Jonah wasn't afraid He was disobedient God had to open up Jonah's eyes To some stark realities You're going to see many things You already see many things That cause you to wonder Why God does not act To eliminate evil in the world But remember something When you're you're seeing that And you're feeling What you would consider to be righteous anger Consider the depths of your own depravity Consider What your sins deserve And how patient And merciful God is with you He marked you out for mercy But you deserve judgment Think about how unfaithful we often are to God And God doesn't cast us away Think about Jonah He could have said I'm going to get another prophet here Over and over again in Jonah Jonah goes against God Over and over again God appoints things to happen A storm, a fish, a plant, a worm God is working Jonah is is rebelling And God sticks with Jonah Still uses Jonah Teaches Jonah It wasn't all about Jonah So here's what you won't be doing You won't be chasing people down Telling them they're wrong You're going be chasing them down To tell them what is right Tell them the truth you know, appeal to them Humbly and boldly God has called us to preach the gospel Not judge unbelievers So our attitude should be one of merciful Compassion Not judgment toward them And by the way our attitudes Drive our actions The way we act towards unbelievers Is is driven by our attitude toward them. This, by the way, is not essentially individualistic. It is about what the church must do together. The church is called to preach God's word, not a building, a group of people gathered by God. Co-workers in Christ. And and in doing so, we will speak out against sin and unrighteousness. But we will leave the judgment to God And don't write anyone off Be careful with those who do not believe Another thing it's easy to do is to start wondering How the church of of Jesus Christ Is going to survive and thrive In the midst of such seemingly insurmountable odds How victory can be assured amidst such hostility and, And unbelief and we see the winds and waves of evil and deception and indifference, and what happens on our part? We get discouraged. We say, "How, how can this? How can this succeed?" And, and, and this, by the way, is in light of knowing the end of the story. <laughs> I read a lot of books, and I do jump to the end of the book often. Most books are too long. The only Bible that's not too long is the Bi- The only book that's not too long is the Bible. Do not trust in your own efforts to live or figure out life Or live in God's kingdom or serve in his name Rely on God's grace God's grace is your fuel for living And it's an abundant supply There's no crisis of grace Grace upon grace upon grace Is is delivered to God's people Of his fullness we have all received. And grace upon grace. Grace for grace. Grace in the place of grace. A continual supply. So be working. By the way, it's rare to find a Christian who has thought through the ramifications of the gospel in their context. And how God might want to use them in that context. It is more common to find believers who... Would rather insulate or isolate From the world Or haphazardly Fully immerse themselves In the world It's it's grilling season it's, It's barbecue season here in California Except for today with the rain But here's what we often do I did it on Mother's Day after church We put chicken in marinade And the chicken Took in the flavor Of the marinade You take on the flavor of what you marinate in. So if you've been marinating all week in junk, that's what you're going to have. You've been marinating all week in the Word of God, in the midst of junk, the Word of God will overcome it. Be working. Last thing, be waiting. Be waiting. By God's will, be anticipating Christ's imminent return. We don't like... I don't know why we don't like to think about it as believers we only think about it when we're in a in the bad strait. we only think about it when we're in trouble oh jesus come back rescue me shouldn't we always be thinking that shouldn't we be thinking about that when things are amazingly awesome and i'm tempted to to deny god because i think i got myself all that stuff God's timetable not ours The judge James says is standing at the door Ready to enter In the time that he has decreed I love that word Decreed As you can tell But be full of hope Be full of hope That the final outcome is assured Confident Assured That ultimately God's plan will triumph That what he says will happen What he has purposed for believers And what will happen to unbelievers Is already settled Verse 30 Let both grow until the harvest Let both grow together Until the harvest This is assurance This is assurance from God That he knows what he's doing That his works are in his hands And if you're a believer you have no need to fear No need for anxiety. God protects his own in less than ideal circumstances. And God intends for us to coexist in the world until he comes. And we will live in the same neighborhoods. We will frequent the same restaurants and stores. We will interact on many levels. And yes, we will be together in the church, in the gathering. God sees, God knows, God is patient. For our sakes So God says don't worry The plan will succeed You are safe so so go for it Do what I've called you to do The safety harness is on Someone's holding the ladder You've got a guaranteed contract Whatever Line you want to use Don't be afraid to try And even fail Take a leap of faith I've overcome the world So as you live in it Safe and secure Don't be complacent Don't become the seaside life saving station That became a yacht club Colossians 1 verse 13 says this He has delivered us From the domain of darkness And transferred us To the kingdom of his beloved son In whom we have redemption The forgiveness of sins On earth we Reflect his glory We are to be shine like stars As Philippians says And in heaven we will experience his glory to the utmost We will shine like the sun You Think about it Today is a, it's a dress rehearsal for, for, for eternity We're practicing for heaven But we're not practicing for tomorrow Live today In light of eternity See God reveals his future plans So that we would focus on these eternally Significant present priorities that are right before us Until Christ returns Or we go to be with him We're to be wise We're to be working and we're to be Waiting In a sense we're to be spiritually multitasking Without the anxiety Or the swerving Wisely work While you wait